0: As you're tuning in from your homes, we want to let you know that even though we are not together, God is present. As we've seen in this testimony this morning in the video that we just saw together, we know that God is at work. God is changing lives. And today we have an opportunity again to give Him praise and to come into His presence and look into His Word, allow it to penetrate our hearts and draw close to God. So as we come together this morning, from where you are, lift your voices up and give God praise. Come on, church. Here we go. Let's sing. Who breaks the power? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather in our homes, let them be places of worship that honor you. Wherever two or more are gathered, Lord, you are there. We also know that you see every person uniquely and wonderfully made by your hand, Lord. So we pray for every heart that is watching this service. Allow your voice to speak to their heart. Bring them peace. Peace. Bring them a sense of joy in their spirit. Draw them to you, Lord, and allow their lives to be impacted by you today. You are a God who moves through all things. So we call upon your name and pray that you would move this morning. All honor and glory go to you. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, folks, and thank you, John, and the team for leading us in worship. And we want to thank you guys for going onto our website and taking part in the regathering survey that we posted up last weekend and very helpful information and data. And Frank, we're discovering that there's varied views on how and when we should regather. And one of the things that's there, two-thirds of you are saying you don't want to return to the building being full. And You know, our original timeline indicated that we were looking at maybe not coming back on our campus until we could gather at 200, and that would be phase number four. But on Monday morning, California Public Health Department released guidelines that permit 25% occupancy, a maximum of 100. And so just now, the phrase is, we are building the bridge as we walk on it. And every week, maybe sometimes every day, New information is coming our way, and there's new thinking that we're having to do. So, the good news is, we are going to hold our first service back on campus this next Sunday, June the 7th, at 9 a.m. However, it's not just fling wide the doors and everybody come. We will be one service only, and it will be a maximum of 100 people. And we're going to hold this service as a sort of trial to see how we can conduct a service with social distancing and ensuring that we follow appropriate guidelines and protocols to keep our campus safe and you safe. So, a hundred people, no children's ministry, but families can come together. No singing, the worship team will lead us in reflective, contemplative worship. And if you're in the vulnerable category, then we highly recommend that you stay online. It will be a 45 minute service at the most and different doors to enter and exit and just leaving the campus quite swiftly and no donuts, Frank, no donuts. So Frank, you put together the team that's working out all the logistics Talk to us a little bit about what's all gonna happen. Yes,
2: absolutely. Uh, For those of you who will be attending next Sunday, just know as you come onto the church campus, the parking lot men are gonna direct you to park in every, every other stall will be a car. We're going to do this to just help keep that social distancing principle in place. As you come in, there will be hand sanitizers and there's, there's masks available, if you choose, you can take one of those, gloves available. Uh, you will come into the worship center, there will be 100 chairs in here, and we ask that you follow the protocols that we put in place. Very important that we all follow those pro- protocols. A passage of scripture that came to mind as I was thinking through what we're doing this evening is Ephesians chapter four, verse three, that says that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and that's what we're asking you. We know there is so many aspects to what we're trying to accomplish, but we ask you as you come on campus that you follow the protocols, uh, the signage that's gonna be outside and uh, just help us uh, in those areas. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, It's a big job actually. You think it's just open the doors. It's
1: not, it's complicated. Uh, We're also working on having our renewed thrift store open. They're working on their protocols. Celebrate Recovery is restarting their main gatherings on our campus. But everything, everything else, Bible studies, small groups, prayer groups, rooted groups, still remaining off campus at this time. So we'll do one service on June the 7th, and then we'll likely try it again on June the 14th for another 100 people, and it wouldn't be the same 100 that came on the 7th. You would let other people have a chance. And then we'll keep that going forward until we can get to two services of 100. And then eventually we hope we can get to two or three services of 200 or 250. And it's gonna take several weeks to get to that. And we need to wait for guidelines and we need to wait till we know that we can handle that here on the campus. So folks, hey, be patient and stay with us. We're learning this as we go. And you know, if we learn during these Sundays, that people hug each other and just don't kind of hold to the protocols, we're gonna to have to slow it all back down again. And we don't wanna do that. So please help us by following the new procedures and let's see how we can take this forward. And uh, we're obviously still gonna remain online because the majority of you are still gonna be listening in online for several more weeks. And we'll keep making sure that we do that there with quality. So on Monday morning, we'll have a link on our website and social media where you can click on and register for a ticket to get into that service on June the 7th. It's really the only way we can do it, and it seems strange, but we're in strange new times. Let me finish with these comments, and they echo something of Frank's comments. In a church of our size, as our survey shows, we have many, many opinions on when we should open and what that should look like. But listen, South Valley, let's not find disunity in our regathering plans. That would be letting the enemy in. Let's find our unity and our identity in Jesus and be gracious and kind to all. What's uniting us isn't the date or how we reopen. What's uniting us is Jesus Christ and His gospel and Him being the hope of the world. So, always be asking, what does love require of us? Our love for God and our love for our neighbors, which sums up the law. So, stay with us, help us as we begin to take these steps, and we hope that we can keep this journey moving forward till eventually we can all be together and worship together. So, there's your update. I hope that's good enough information and we look forward to seeing how God opens this door for us and helps us. And you've been helping us in the past many weeks by being faithful with your tithes and your offerings and again on this part of our service we remind you to, to do that either online or by coming in and dropping something into the in, into the box outside the office or mailing it to us and we're so appreciative of your tithes and your faithfulness, your continued generosity. And then we're going to head towards preach and get ready for the last preach in the book of Leviticus. So, thank you. Well, oh, hey, good morning again, folks. The last preach in the book of Leviticus. Oh, we got here. I, I was a frustrated teenager. I think most teenagers are. I was frustrated with rules and expectations and restrictions and limitations, and I mean, I'm not talking about the rules and expectations my parents put on me. I mean, I knew that was a parent's prerogative. I mean, sometimes I wish they could slacken them off a bit. Like, it would be really great if my parents would have said to me, why don't you start a band? (laughs) You know, or we're out Saturday night, why don't you have a party in the house? You know, or, hey, 20 bucks is not enough, just take 50, you know, but... But I know there are things that they wish I said to them, like, hey, Dad, I put gas in the car and washed it for you. (laughs) Or, no, Dad, midnight is too late. I'll be home by 10 o'clock. But my frustration wasn't caused by my parents and their rules. I kind of knew that had to happen. My frustration came from watching the 80s TV show, fame. I don't know if you ever saw it back in the 80s. New York City High School for the Performing Arts, and there was Bruno and Coco. Uh, there was the younger and the more innocent, Janet Jackson, and then there was my hero, Leroy. And as I watched this show, I became frustrated, and I became frustrated with my Britishness, my, my whiteness, I so wanted to dance and sing and move like Leroy. And this white boy still longs for rhythm to be able to dance like my friends in Kenya or like the guys I watched on Fame. And just a moment's pause. This white guy also so longs to see racial injustice end. Christians everywhere, we stand for justice, and we stand against racism and against prejudice. And so, we pray this Sunday for Minneapolis and the family of George Floyd, and we pray that the scourge of racism needs to be ended in our nation. The gospel demands it. So, You know, at this point in our nation, there's so much grief, and we pray for all who grieve, and all who are afraid, all who are anxious, all who are tired. You know, what's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come. And His kingdom is a kingdom of peace and equality and justice. And that's that's on our hearts. That's on our hearts. Rhythm. I I watched Michael Jordan play his last game in Chicago, and I was watching through binoculars away up at the top of the United Center, but man, when he played basketball, he had rhythm. I, I watched the Brazilians play soccer, or football as I call it, rhythm as they move. I pull up alongside a, a low rider car of four Hispanics, cholos, and, and and they listen to their beat music and they've got rhythm just sitting there in the car seats, and then heck, I watch the car with its hydraulic kit as it starts to hop. It's it's even got rhythm. I go to an African church in Nairobi and I just watch the choir. And even just how they sway, rhythm. And then I watch the pastor preach and boy, he's got rhythm. Or I watch Kenyan runners as they run five-minute miles for 26 miles and just motion and poetry or poetry in motion and, and rhythm as they run. I listen to music and I hear the rhythm of the bass or the drums or, or when the sax comes in. It's my hope of heaven. I'll be given rhythm because I'm sure heaven in, isn't white. And I'm sure of that for several reasons, and one of the reasons is the revelation of who God is. It's filled with rhythm, and that's not the characteristic of certainly this white guy. It's from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, and there's going to be rhythm in heaven. Rhythm, rhythm. I read Genesis chapter 1, and I feel the rhythm of creation. I read the book of Judges, and I see the rhythm of history. I read the Psalms, and I see the rhythm of the Psalms. I see the rhythm of the genealogies of Jesus Christ and His birth. I see the rhythm of the promise of the Holy Spirit. I read Ecclesiastes. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time for everything. There's this rhythm to life, rhythm. I read the book of Revelation and I see the rhythm of time and history and salvation. So, as we finish this series on holiness becoming whole again, open your Bibles for the final time to Leviticus chapter 23. And I want us today to see that this thing called holiness that we've been looking at for seven weeks has a rhythm to it. And if we're going to become holy people, then we must learn to move to the rhythm of holiness. I'm told that people with rhythm feel the beat. It's inside them. It becomes part of them. And this is exactly true for becoming holy We need it to be inside of us. We need to feel it more than just know it. It comes from deep within our souls. It becomes part of who we are and how we live and the rhythm of our lives. So, in Leviticus chapter 23, God is laying out for His people His instructions for doing life close to Him, becoming holy and there are offerings, and there are priests, and there are rules about cleanliness and purity. And then we hit this chapter, chapter 23, when God gives them a schedule, a sacred calendar, something special every week, something special every season, something special every year, a rhythm of holy times, and that's what's given them. Very quickly, let me summarize them for them. Look at verse three. Uh, we're told that on the seventh day of every week, there's a Sabbath, Shabbat. On the seventh day, a rest before the Lord. One day a week, just pause and rest in His presence. Make that your rhythm. Or verse 4, there is the feast of Passover. On the fourteenth day of the first month, a special holy day celebrating the reality that God delivers. And then verse 6, there is the feast of unleavened bread on the 15th day of the first month, a special holy day celebrating that God has called us to a life of holiness, and He provides for that life. Or verse 10, there's the Feast of first fruits, one day after harvest, a special holy day celebrating God's claim over our lives. Or verse 15, we enter into the Feast of Weeks, or sometimes known as Pentecost, Shavuot. Fifty days later, a special holy day celebrating God's provision, later a day celebrating the giving of the Torah, God's law. Uh, May 31, this is Pentecost Sunday, and the the apostles were celebrating Shavuot, And, and Shavuot is Hebrew for the Greek word Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit came a new provision was being given, the one who would help them understand His Word, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit was given. Not so much the birth of the church, that would wrongly understand it, that's pure ecclesiology, but it's the gift of the Spirit for life and for truth. And then verse uh, 23, there's the Feast of Trumpets on the first day of the seventh month, a special holy day celebrating our worship and our service in the very presence of God. And then verse 26, the Day of Atonement, we spoke about that last week, Yom Kippur, tenth day of the seventh month where you celebrate God's forgiveness. And then, verse thirty-three, you come to the feast of Tabernacles, or the feast of Booths, Sukkah. fifteenth day of the seventh month, a special holy day celebrating God's provision and presence with us—the very water of life. Feel the rhythm. A special day every seventh day. Special, some seven, sevens. A a special day every seventh days and seven special feasts, many lasting for seven days, into your regular pattern of rising and sleeping, of work and rest, of planting and harvest, of beginning and end. Have within those regular things, special times, holy days, the rhythm of being holy, Now, you jump forward, you know, to the 21st century, and in our church tradition, one of the rhythms of our holy living would be the rhythm of communion, sometimes known as the breaking of bread, sometimes known as the Eucharist, other times known, particularly within the Protestant tradition, as communion. It's a New Testament rhythm. Of reminding us of our calling to be holy, to remember the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Spirit, and into the ordinary of our schedules comes down, comes this special downbeat, a special moment when Christ is uniquely present amongst His people, and through common elements, just common bread and common wine, we know His divine presence among us, and we eat a holy feast. We embrace a Jesus who fulfills all all of the Old Testament feasts. Now, (laughs) uh, we haven't done communion. We were meant to do it just as COVID hit, but you could do it in your homes amongst your family or with your small group until we're able to do it back here. I, I grew up in a tradition where we had communion, breaking of bread every single Sunday. That was part of our holy rhythm. And there's other things that we can add into our rhythm, daily prayer, daily confession, daily worship, daily contemplation, daily sharing of our faith, weekly fasting, weekly giving of alms and our tithes, the rhythm of holiness. But come back to Leviticus chapter 23. There is the work of the Father. There's a Sabbath, and six days God created, but on the seventh He rested. The rested completed work of the Father, the Sabbath, or His claim upon our lives, the Feast of Firstfruits, His claim over our lives, or there is the work of the Son, the Feast of the Passover. Christ has become our Passover, His atoning death on the cross, Christ the provision, Christ the Passover for you and for me, the one who stands before the presence of God for us, the Feast of Trumpets, and then there is, there is the work of the Holy Spirit, God's new provision for us, the gift from the Father and the Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, His presence with us, the water of life, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. So, not only a rhythm, the, the early church fathers had a word for this, pericoius, pericoius. not only a rhythm, but a dance. This is the dance of God in perfect love, in perfect community, in perfect oneness. God is, and that God is in purpose and essential essence of him is eternal and interpersonal for us, working to see his creation rise again to be his people, a people belonging to God, the new Israel, a holy people. And the amazing thing is that we're invited into this dance to, the, to move to the rhythm of the holy life. But you and I know the story. We didn't choose holy. We have all the rhythm of white men dancing. This is the story of the fall. This is the story of being off rhythm. God made us to reflect Him perfect rhythm and movement. And in that rhythm and movement, we do life close to Him, be holy. And day in, day out, we live in the reality of missing the beat, of being downbeat, of being offbeat, of being syncopated. We play in a minor key. We live in rubato, just either always behind or ahead of the rhythm. And here's the thing, if you lose the pulse if you lose the rhythm, the music dies. Here's the reality. Melody cannot exist without rhythm. Holiness has a rhythm. It makes a melody. There's a beat to it. And the the feasts highlighted the rhythm for the people of Israel. God knew that they would lose the beat. And He gave us ways to keep the rhythm of holiness, ways to keep remembering the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is the key to holiness, doing life with God. We need to remember it's His work. Uh, Let's look again at Leviticus chapter 23. See if you can spot anything common to the rhythm. Verse 3 you are not to do any work. Verse 7, you've not to do any work. Verse 21, you've not to do any work. Verse 25, you've not to do any work. Verse 28, you've not to do any work. Verse 35, you've not to do any work. Figured it out yet? He puts his finger on one of the main ways that we lose the rhythm of holiness, we lose it by forgetting who did the work. So often we define ourselves by what we do. You know, it's the first question you often ask a stranger when you're introduced to them, what is it you do? We have this overinflated idea that what we do is who we are, and And I've talked about this before in South Valley. You know, God has just created the solar system, 93 million miles between here and the sun. Do you think when we put in an extra 10 hours hard work and win that deal that God goes, wow, I've never seen anything like that before. I am more impressed with my labor than God is. Now, there must be something deeper and larger that drives God's command about no work, about this rhythm. There must be more to it than just taking a day off and making sure you come to church. God is bigger and deeper than merely a ritual or a habit. The Hebrew word For sacred assembly or holy convention could mean rehearsal. The Hebrew word is (laughs) parte. Okay, that was a little hermeneutical joke that nobody got. Okay. Idea. Practicing a weekly Sabbath now is a rehearsal for something greater that's coming, a day when our lives will be, to the tiniest fiber, holy. And the idea in the Bible is that we begin to practice now anticipating its fulfillment when Christ returns. So, God puts a rhythm in place to help us stay holy, a rhythm to break our obsession with work, a rhythm to turn us away from ourselves and back to Him. God puts in place a rhythm to help us stay set apart. God says, let me remind you of something. Let me remind you that I've done the work I rescued you. You're this side of Egypt. I did the work of releasing you from slavery, of saving you, because I did the work. I want you to take one day a week, and I want you to reflect on what I've done and what you've done. Do this in sacred assembly. Because I do not want you ever to get to the point where you define yourself by what you do. I want you to define yourself by who you are in relationship to me. You're the people belonging to God. Because I do not want you to determine your worth and your value by the jobs you work at, but I want you to determine your worth and your value through what I've enabled you to become. You have become a holy nation. You've become priests because I do not want you to focus on what you do, but I want You to focus on who you have become, the child of God. Because you are not what you do, you are what God has saved you to be. Because I want you to remember the work of the Father, the work of the Son, the work of the Holy Spirit. And through that work, not your work, but His work, we have become a holy people, priests chosen by God, redeemed, renewed, saved, called by His name. You and I have become people belonging to Him, and that is in danger of being lost and distorted and forgotten or minimized. So, into the rhythm of life, to ensure that you do life close to Him, Every week, stop what you're doing and hold a sacred assembly where you worship this God. There is a direct correlation between the rhythms you have in your life and how much you do life with God. The church fathers called this the spiritual disciplines or the holy practices. And there's much to read in that, and some say that that, that there are seven, others say that there are 12, and you can go and read more on that topic. But let's bring this back to what we've been teaching for seven weeks as we finish this series off. God wants you to be holy. He's making an invite for you and I to do life close to Him. He wants to hang out around us. He's passionately relational, and He would expect that a grateful people who know they have been saved would want to do life with Him. It involves dealing with the barriers of our sins, the great, the great deal of the atonement, Yom Kippur, where He he cancels out our debt, but also the daily understanding of the offerings where sin easily defiles and pollutes us. It involves every area of our lives because God is present in every area of our lives, as much in the sanctuary as in the kitchen. And God wants you to become whole, reflecting fully why He called and chose you. It's about us becoming the kind of people who want to do what's right, who want to do what's good, who wants to do what's noble. It's not legalism and rules, but it's about changing our hearts to become good and whole, and our hearts ache for that. And today, God knows everything will be thrown at us to distract us or deflect us from moving to the beat of that holy life. And one of the biggest threats, and it's always been, is the pressure of our time, our 50, our 60, our 70-hour work weeks, our living-to-work mantra. And God says, you have to build in rhythms to do life with me, becoming whole again. To become whole is to become holy again and again and again and again. It's a rhythm. It's a way of life. It's not a one-time decision. It's a work. It's a battle, but it's worth it. Living life close to God every single day. would you want it any other way? Come on. Seize the holy life and be disciplined in living it out day in, day out, and know the fullness of life, the eternal life that God wants to give you. So much more that could be said in the book of Leviticus, but just a scratching of something that was laid out there in the Torah, in the holy canon of Scripture for our benefit in how we can live close to God. Keep reading it. Keep praying over it. And keep knowing the life that it leads you to. Let's bow our hearts. God, we finish this this series with our hands lifted towards heaven and asking that you would help us come close to you. We know in the work of Christ and in the giving of your Spirit you have come close to us, but we allow things to get in that way and we don't experience the life that you want to give us. Help us, God, tear down the barriers. Help us, Lord, be aware of sin, and help us, God, begin to live to the rhythm of a holy life that sees transformation within and shows an attractiveness of living that draws others to ask questions about our joy, our hope, our purpose. Come, we pray, and lead us again to become holy for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.